Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Back in My Day. My name is Michael Power, and today, once again, I have the power because our host, normal host, David Petrangelo, is off gallivanting yet again. But have no fear, because I'm lucky enough to be joined by... Ian Walter. So it's me and Ian today, and today we are bringing you a movie review of The Flash, the biggest (laughs) box office bomb in is it dc history or warner brothers history i know it's dc for sure but it might be i think i read it was the biggest bomb in warner brothers history but alas me and ian ventured out to the theaters to see it and we just felt like we had to review it on the show because if you've seen the trailers you know the movie brings back michael keaton as batman yeah I mean, uh, we covered the, we covered all the Batman movies. We, we did. Talk about we Michael reviewed Keaton's all the Batman, Batman episode uh, movies on this very show. This show is called Back in My Day, where we celebrate the things that we loved from our childhood. And one of those things is definitely the Michael Keaton Batman and Tim Burton Batman movies. So, um, yeah, a lot of controversy controversy also surrounding this movie, which we'll we'll touch on briefly. But we're really just going to focus on. Listen, you know, the, the film industry thought. in general is all over the place right now. We've got the writer's strike going on, the actor's strike, the SAG strike. So, like, everything's up in the air. And obviously, we're allowed to cover movies because we're not members <laughs> of SAG. But we do obviously uh, side with the creators and all of these conflicts and everything. And then with this movie in particular, it's funny. Our avid listeners will know we just covered our initial reactions to the Barbenheimer event. So we know how this summer's been going. We thought that the summer movie box office was completely dead and dusted until Barbie and Oppenheimer came along to save the day. So yes, this was one of the disappointing outings of the summer that you know you particularly power on the summer for me movie thought I it was going to be the number it. two <laughs> overall. Um, so I will say up top, we're going to talk about this movie. We are going to be reviewing the movie and not the controversy surrounding yes. the movie um so we have ezra miller at the helm here who is uh we've talked about it briefly i think on other episodes where he's basically no sorry not he ezra miller they are uh, a little bit of a controversy a little bit troublesome because they're in the they're in the media right now as being I don't know, uh, just let's say they're... Uh, problems with the law, basically, right? Yeah, like, problems with the law, to. and we're not going to yeah. get into the details of that. I, I, I only wanted to mention it because um, I do think Ezra Miller did a great job in this film. I think that they're uh, particularly good at locking in on this role of Barry Allen. Um, and so, like I said, we're going to be talking about the film itself and not mm-hmm. the, the controversy surrounding him. Um, we couldn't stay away from this film, like I no. said, because, like yeah. we already mentioned, because Michael Keaton is here to save the day and to mm-hmm. resurrect this film from being a giant garbage heap in my <laughs> in my mind. Um, but uh, I do think that you know we can talk a little bit about our feelings of the film overall. But mm-hmm. I do think that Michael Keaton is my favorite aspect of the Flash. Yeah, let's just go before we get into the sort of the three acts, which is how we usually like to review movies. On this podcast, let's go with non-spoilery overall thoughts on the movie. Just basically, did you like it? What did you give it out of five? Would you recommend it? Did you think it was a fun time? Yeah, and and it's funny because you mentioned Michael Keaton already, but of course we know he's in the trailer, so it's not a huge 
spoiler because that trailer shows you a lot about what's going on which is movie. why i put the movie um, as number two because i thought it would do batman movie numbers not yes. you know dceu movie um, numbers so and, big and mistake, i think but. like this is becoming really uh, aggravating uh, as far as the trailers are concerned like I really think I'm I'm going to be shifting into a hard rule of just watching the first trailer, the teaser trailer, and not necessarily the second or third as we get closer to the movie because these trailers are killing me. They're showing you all three acts. They're showing you exactly what the movie is about. I'm not really leaving anything to like to be left as a surprise in in the theater itself. Um, but I will say, I did like this film overall. I thought the story was pretty cool. Um, I thought it was getting overhyped by a lot of the uh, sort of non-spoiler reviews that I've been seeing going into this thing. However, I do think they pulled off exactly what they were trying to do, and they left a little bit of uh, finishing touches, let's say, off maybe because they already kind of wrote this film off maybe as not being a, a huge financial success, so they didn't want to pour any additional money into it. But I think it could have used another pass at the sort of visual effects. Yes. And, um, you know, we'll get we'll definitely get into it as we get into the three acts. But I did enjoy this film, and I think it ranks highly as far as a DCEU film goes. And we know that the DCU is coming to an end. This is basically its swan song. There's a couple other films within the DCU that still have to be released. But this movie kind of spelled it out that they're done with that. And we know that James Gunn is not carrying on with any of this stuff as he kind of makes his Superman legacy film and, and beyond. So this is just kind of like a nice way to say goodbye. Overall. You thought it was a good yeah, movie? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's a nice way to say goodbye to the DCE. And well, yeah, if there I, weren't two other movies coming. <laughs> before yeah. you mentioned Keaton, I was basically going to say, like, as far as non-spoilers go, I really just liked Batman in general in this film. Batman, yes. from start to finish. I liked mm-hmm. it, so yeah. Yeah, so I agree with you. I think it's one of the better DCEU movies. I think it ranks like third for me. I think I would give the movie overall like a three and a half star, you know, which for DCEU is top tier. It's, you know, basically the, I haven't been a big fan of the Snyderverse as we call it, but this is one of the better movies. This is actually a fun movie. And actually, uh, Ezra Miller, although he's controversial, he is very, or they are very yeah, good. They actor. are controversial. Yes. They are controversial, and they are, but they are very good actor, which makes it even more tragic because, you know, Ezra Miller is doing a lot of heavy lifting in this movie, and he's, they are acting against themselves um, for a lot of the movie, and it's like you believe it's two people, and like, yeah, so yeah, two they're young. really good. Yeah, yeah, they're really good actor, and so it's a shame all the controversy, to be honest. So makes it even yeah. more tragic so um anyways I, I thought the best parts of the movie though were the michael keaton batman that's what i went for and uh, i was not disappointed on that front and i thought the plot of the movie and it was one of the best representations of the multiverse that i've seen mm-hmm. in any of these superhero movies so it was a great multiversal story which everyone seems to be doing now but this is a great version of that it's, it's easy to understand yeah. Um, the one thing that's glaring is the CGI was v- v- bad to terrible. I would say, even, even like, Sam oh, said something when I was watching it. I couldn't believe it's it. like she, she the called rub- it out. I was like, "Yeah, it is bad." <laughs> it's the rubbery body CGI of the early two thousands. Think, think of the Blade movies and the Daredevil movies, which we thought was looked great at the time. But if you watch it now, it's like 
they're all rubbery bodied and it's the uncanny valley yeah. is that throughout the whole movie and it's even i heard reports that when they showed the movie at CinemaCon and it was getting rave reviews and i agree with you the reviews were overblown for sure um they had apparently told all the critics that the, C- the cgi wasn't finished and that they were going to take another pass the cgi so everyone reviewing it kind of assumed the cgi would get better but it turns out the, the, the cut they showed at Cinema is the same cut they released. They didn't they didn't fi- uh, put the final touches on any of the CGI or improve any of the CGI between yeah. then and the release. So the CGI is it's it's not it's, it's not good for 2023 yeah. standards to be honest. Um, so so, it, so the thing that hilarious. bugs me overall, and we'll we'll get into the three acts, and I'll I'll explain that the the CGI the visuals in general are not terrible across the board. It's just that there are certain things about it, like you said, the rubbery uh, aspect that you know clearly they they could have spent a little bit more money on it, but like probably decided against it and said they were going to go and fix the visuals and then never actually did or. And the visuals when he's running aren't great. Like when it's from his perspective, it's all blurry and all that. It's just not great. I I will say that like some of the effects seem like tried and tested. Like the the flash abilities still look cool on screen. And I think that they've kind of, anytime you sort of build in those visual effects from one film to the next, it's like you don't have to start from scratch. Like if you have the Hulk, you you know, you, you have to create a new sequence with him. Yes, but you don't have to start from square one, right? You have like, but you the, have the, like the, place. the slow-mo scenes looked way better in X-Men um, First Class, which is almost like, I don't know, it's got to be almost a 10-year-old movie now. I agree. And it looked I think, a lot better. I think that there's uh, some problems in general, just like, it's just unfortunate that this film got as delayed as it, as it did, and I think it got impacted by the pandemic as well. But like it was supposed to come out pretty much before a lot of this multiverse stuff would come would have come out right and so probably would have been received a little bit better and the visuals like there's something about it where i i appreciated the stuff with batman and the high octane like fast-paced stuff but every time they slowed it down i didn't really i wasn't ripped like you said they did it better in the x-men days of future Past. like it was just when i look at something like i know you don't like the eternals but when i look at the way they handled the uh the speed yeah uh, the speed stuff, it looked incredible and it looked like high octane and fast the way like you would expect the flash to look so i think that they did do a lot of the slow-mo stuff a little bit too much in this film mm-hmm. uh whereas like they could have they could have shown the effect of his speed in real time like, here and there would have probably been more impactful mm-hmm. but uh let's get into it because there's Right off the bat in this film, uh, within the first ten minutes, you start to see the cracks in the CGI, and I think we're <laughs> we're basically alluding to the great baby shower sequence, right? Okay, so, the first ten minutes are the worst, the worst ten minutes of the movie. And I literally sat down and I was seeing the movie with my dad, and we looked, we were just like laughing at the movie for ten minutes and just like shaking our heads and sort of like, what, what is this terrible? Like, should we leave? Like, it was so bad okay it was the looney tune cartoon but done with terrible cgi and ben affleck is driving the christopher nolan uh tumbler motorcycle which i was like that's kind of bullcrap i think gal gadot shows up for like one scene she's clearly like not in the same room as anyone else 
Okay, it was something. Anyways, we're getting close to spoilers, by the way. We should have said a spoiler. spoiler yeah, we're, we're now in but... full in spoiler territory, yeah. the you know, the three-act structure of the film. And, and the opening of the film is Flash is a fully-fledged superhero trying to manage his personal life and his superhero life. And he gets called out real early in the morning by Alfred saying that, that Batman is dealing with a robbery and you need to help because there's something going on in the hospital. Batman can't do both. You got to go deal with the hospital while Batman deals with the robbers. The robbers like Falcone's kid. I will say this though, I loved seeing Ben Affleck back in this role. I always liked Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne in the DCEU, and it was just fun to see him have sort of one last go of it. And yeah, I was kind of a cheap shot taking uh, like Nolan's uh, Batman uh, bike and using that, but I thought it all looked very cool. And I think it was unfortunate that we had the baby shower sequence intercut with it because i actually liked literally i thought that batman action was a lot uh better executed than than the flash sequence so i i i did like seeing all of the justice league kind of fully like the you know one woman shows up and it's like it's almost better seeing them in this setting than in all the entirety of the justice league film so it's just like i i liked this part of it i just didn't like the way the flash and the baby shower sequence was executed, but I liked everything else that was going on in that opening. Yeah. 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 No, it was really close. Anyways. So that opening happens. Um, the one thing I understand what they're trying to do is they're trying to give the flash sort of something to do that no one else can do. Right. So you have the babies falling and they're all in different peril. And, and anyways, mm-hmm. it's just the way it looked and the way it was actually executed. But what I did like about the movie, and this is evident in the first 10 minutes is it did have a lot of humor in it. It was more closer to a Marvel movie with like the jokes per minute and the quippiness of it. And I sort of figured out that I kind of do like that in my superhero movies. So it it has less of the tone of a Zack Snyder movie and more of the tone of a Marvel movie, which I think really benefits the movie and really helped me enjoy it. Yeah, I think it worked for the most part. But um, here's the thing. With the CGI, I can get past it, especially when we're seeing it while he's using the speed force. I think the error here was to show the baby shower before he does anything with the speed force because the baby shower was like, okay, these are babies and they're very clearly fake and they're falling. And he's like doing all these ridiculous things, putting one in a microwave. Like, yeah, it's all done for jokes. I get it. Like, I think I can respect them taking the swing. But, like, they really should have, if they're going to keep it in at all, they should polish it up a bit. Because between the bad CGI and the fact that that scene ends with a joke about um, the Justice League not being very good with, like, mental health professionals, like, they could use help from mental health professionals. Like, I just thought that joke misfired completely, like, on me. It was just, like, completely, like, took me out being like, oh, yeah, we know that there's problems you know, surrounding Ezra Miller and everything. So, like, when he made that joke, when they made that joke about uh, mental health professionals, I was just like, oh, that this is, like, a bit mm-hmm. of a yeah. cheap shot. Yeah. But that was, like, that was the big sequence that everyone's talking about. That was kind of, like, the worst The, the worst the parts worst... of the movie is the first, is this first yeah. sentence for 20 minutes, I found, at least. But, like, the thing is, with the Speed Force, it's open to interpretation of, like, nobody knows what it would look like if you're going to go back in time. So if, if the only time we saw those rubbery faces was when he was tapping into that, I don't think it would have been as jarring. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I just didn't like. I didn't even the bad CGI. Even if the CGI was better, I wouldn't have liked the scene. So, anyways, let's move on from the first sort of scene. And for sure, yeah. um, basically, they use this. Uh, the plot is essentially that um, it's the day before the big trial for his father, and um, with the security fit footage that got his father locked up for the murder of his mother, because the um his alibi was that he was he went out to the store to get a can of tomatoes and the footage is too blurry to make any sense of it to to clear his name his name so he's been locked up for the murder of Barry Allen's mother and with Wayne Enterprise's tech they've been able to clear up that footage but even still with a clear mm-hmm. shot at the security cam you know you, you can't see his face because he never looks up so he's having this emotional moment where he goes back to his childhood home. He's reflecting on what happened, you know, losing his mother and everything. Starts running really fast. Finally taps into the speed force and realizes he can go back in time. So how far back does he go? He goes all the way back to see um, essentially that day, right? He's remembering we see the origin of what happened. And then he's able to go back all the way. You know, he goes back all the way to that day, right? At first. Yeah. So this, before we uh, go any further, this is all based on the comic book, um, like flash event called the Flashpoint, and the Flashpoint has been done before in media. It's been done in the Flash TV show. There's an animated movie called Flashpoint Paradox. So I've read the comic. I've seen the animated movie i've watched the flash so this is like the fourth time i'm experiencing the flashpoint but it's one of the best sort of big tentpole flash um stories and you know it revolves around his origin where he has origin is is is, his mom is murdered and his dad is framed for the murder even though he's innocent and you know flash discovers he can go back through time and then wants to save his mom and but as you know messing with the time stream has repercussions and so it's it, there's always slight interpretations and and you know tweaks on on you know what happens when he goes back in time and the different interpretations. So I thought what they did in this movie was you know a really good interpretation of the Flashpoint story. But that's the basis of the story. You know, it's based on the story. Is he, he uses the Speed Force to go back in time to try to save his mom, and then you know it ends up messing with the sort of the multiverse and. Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, but basically when he goes back, he decides, okay, well now I can I can just put a can of tomatoes in my mom's cart so that she never has to make my dad go back and then now she's not gonna get murdered because he'll be home and everything. He first discovers he can go back in time, then he then he sort of realizes I can use this and then his dad, as you mentioned, his dad doesn't get um does doesn't get his parole or whatever, even though there's any evidence. So that sort of sparks him. He wants to save his dad, really, at this point, but he also wants to save his mom. And so, you know, it's really like a sympathetic point of view. You could see anyone in that situation. You know, if you had the power, this, you'd doing, probably yeah, try, power, right? Doing like, the same thing. Knowing your dad's innocent, he's in jail. Knowing your, yeah. that he didn't murder your mom was murdered. So, yeah, he he want, he he talks to Bruce about it, and he knows that there could be repercussions. So he wants to do it in the like most innocuous way. And so he. He remembers that yeah his mom went to uh, forgot the can of tomatoes, which is why his dad left the house, which is when she got murdered. So if he just put the yeah. can of tomatoes in her cart, she would never leave, 
or his dad would never leave, would never give uh, the opportunity for her to be murdered. So that's yeah, what he does. Yeah, so he makes that change. And then yeah. as he's going, he's trying to run forward through time. Now you can see in the speed force, it's kind of like this Coliseum with all these variants. Yeah, which looks things. terrible. I had the speed Coliseum. That was yeah. one of the terrible CGI yeah. things. I mean, again, like the CGI is terrible. Like across the board, like when it, when they're doing that stuff, like the rubbery faces stuff, yes, it looks bad. But I think the concept, like if they were, if they had put money into it to fix it up a little bit, like the concept of how they visualize that looked cool to me. It's just like the execution was a little sloppy. But as he's running through, it's like this circles of like he's going through the ages. Like you can see um, Barry Allen's growing up. He's turning 18, but he's having all these memories with his parents now, memories that he never had. So he gets, um, there's like the the flash of, um, what's the villain's name? The reverse Anybody flash. Know? Is that what it is? The reverse flash? Um, the the purple guy. Um, I think so. Yeah. Maybe uh, but anyways, he he, he like he sees, like he gets knocked basically into the time where he's eighteen by the villain, right? Yeah. 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 No, but I think that's basically um, someone that comes out of yeah. So what he's he saves his mom by. The Cantamino's. He's heading back to his time, and some bad guy's not the reverse flash, but some something comes. Oh, it's dark flash. Yeah, something comes, but you're not supposed to know, right? So someone comes right. in the speed force, knocks him out, knocks him, and then and he's his... he's waking up in this kind of yeah. warped reality where yeah. his parents are and it's alive. Almost and like, he's eighteen. And he's back in time. It's that, and I thought was all, that was really really well done. Like I thought the the script of the movie was really good because now you're in this sort of Back to the Future movie. Yes. Where he's back in his time in his uh Back to the Future star. He's, he's in the past when he's when he is actually eighteen, but he's obviously like in his his thirty year old self is back in the past. Um and the time he's eighteen, but he's changed the past, so his his mom is alive. So it's a different universe than his universe. Everything's different. And then they also made, made it so that he loses his powers. So then he's yes. stuck in the past and he's got mm-hmm. no way to go forward. It's kinda of like Marty you know, losing the DeLorean. So I thought that was really, really well done. It gave you like a reason for him to be there and then a reason for him to be stuck there. Or an explanation why mm. he's stuck there, right? And he has to figure and out again, how to And again, Ezra Miller playing like an 18-year-old obnoxious version of himself. Yes. And, yeah, yeah. He's playing. They're playing against mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. And um, it, yeah, so that was all um, that was all really well done, I think. And then this is where the movie really starts taking off. I think at this point, I'm enjoying myself now because yeah. the scenes that Ezra Miller has against themselves is like really funny. And the 18 year old version is like over the top ridiculous because they've grown up with um, with their mom. So there's not like the same personality. Yeah. Right. They have like less, they seem like more aloof and less um, tragic and less responsibility and all that. So and of course, um, no matter how you plan on handling time travel, if you're not going to, you know, if you, you, you got to honor the great Back to the Future in some way, right? So I love the fact that they, they called honor, yeah. and they said that uh, Back to the Future stars Eric Stoltz instead, yes, of, uh, in instead of Michael J. Fox. So that was hilarious to mm-hmm. me because, of course, like it could, you know, y- y- they took a story of 
an actor that almost got the part and basically said, well, in this reality, he got the part. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's very interesting when they, yeah, that Eric Stoltz like that. originally being cast to Barney Fly is like movie legend. So yeah, they yeah. made little tweaks to the timeline. Like his, his, it's like the butterfly effect, you know, his mom, uh, the Barry, Barry's mom surviving created this sort of butterfly effect that um, changed like the, the whole timeline. So, and this is also the part of the movie where we get, uh, Michael Keaton introduced. So, yes. Barry's uh, so basically, yeah. like he he wants to, um, like Barry Allen wants to knock out his eighteen year old self, but then realizes like, oh, this is the day that you get your powers. But he's not really thinking in the way that like it happened to him. But like this is a completely different reality. Like who who knows if he actually would have gotten his powers? But he takes him to give him his powers. <laughs> yes, he makes him go through the story because he knows he's stuck there unless you know he can access some flash powers. So yeah, so it, once... it's a clever way to show the origin story, mm -hmm. but like not show the origin story. Do you know what I mean? Like you get flash yeah. origin story because people are sick of origin stories. So it's like you get it, but you don't really get it. You know what I mean? Because it's for a different version of the Flash. So I thought that was actually kind of clever. And the funny thing is, is like, okay, so we've got the two Barry Allens interacting with one another, and like you said, the he doesn't have his powers, but his younger version of himself does. So they're um, they're now like he's showing him, he's trying to show him the ropes, Barry Allen, younger Barry Allen, and this is your suit, and then like this is how you change in your suit, and then of course we get the reveal that. Zod is attacking on this day as well. In this reality, this is the day that Zod attacks. The same kind of similar attack from Zod that we get in the first DCU film in Man of Steel. So I know, Power, you're not huge on the way that they portrayed Superman in uh, Zack Snyder's uh, Man of Steel or in the DCU in general, but um, you know, someone who actually likes that film, I like to see that they called back to that and brought Zod back into the fold for this film. I liked that he was the main antagonist for, for the bulk of this film and the reason why they had to go seek out Bruce Wayne because in this universe, you know, there was there were no metahumans. There's no Clark Kent to save the day. So they have to go seek out Bruce because when they're talking to the Barry's roommates or whatever, she's like, I'm Batman. He's like, wait, how do you know that? <laughs> and yeah. so there is Batman in this universe. Yeah, I love... Um... I love that it brings in Zod because like you say you love it because you like Man of Steel and it calls back to it. I like it because it sort of rewrites the ending of Man of Steel into a better ending, <laughs> you know, right. better confrontation yeah. with Zod. Yeah. Um, that's what I like about it. So yeah, it's funny. He's like, he's like, okay, we're Zod, Zod's attacking. We got to uh, get the Justice League together. And he's like calling, he's like trying to like hunt them all down, like calling like Arthur yeah. Curry's dad and everything. He calls like, them. Like, None Boba of them Fett himself. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, none of them exist. There's Boba some like Mercy. funny scenes there, and then yeah, so he finds out Bruce Wayne is real, and he goes, and this is where like, this is where what you're talking about earlier, where it's like, don't you wish that trailers and marketing were done different? They left surprises yeah. to audiences. Imagine if you saw Michael Keaton as oh, Bruce Wayne for the first time sitting in a theater and it wasn't spoiled for you yeah. in the trailer, it would have been amazing, but either way it was still it's amazing. A, it's a fun sequence. And yeah. I think you were saying like the second Barry goes 
back in time and it becomes like back to the future like that's when the movie gets yes good for you for me like this movie kicks in overdrive the second we get this kind of wayne manor uh you know michael keaton's bruce wayne reveal because um you know they they approach it and we get some danny elfman score in there and at first we see an old man you know i i really thought that action sequence was done nicely where he's kind of trying to fight them off they're using the you know one of one of the barriers using the flash abilities but you know he's just kicking ass as bruce as old bruce wayne but you don't know who it is he's got long gray hair covering i mean we know who it is but i know it's like why do that it's like they did that thinking they might it might be a surprise, and I might not give it in the marketing. So it would, that's what I'm saying. It would have been awesome. That's why it was done. Though. That's why it was done well. And it, and then if you didn't know, you get this. You you'd already have an inkling or a hope because of the Danny Elfman score creeping in. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I just thought like everything with Keaton. Keaton was really really good in this film, and you know, yeah. he's an older version of Bruce Wayne, but I still think he's like you know authentic to the character, and you know, he's yeah. he he's a character like they do a lot a lot of these films and like you know reboots and legacy sequels whatever you want to call them and in hollywood in general when they bring an old character back he's usually a grumpy version of himself who's lost his way and we need this movie skywalker yeah exactly this adventure with the flash is bringing him back to his roots and reinvigorating him for one last fight basically yeah yeah. And it's cool and, because of the multiverse. It doesn't have to be like exactly the the storyline, yeah, but it's also a way to give. I love Batman the, a third movie, right? Yeah, now. I love the explanation that he gives of the multiverse and, and time travel and sort of the butterfly effect and changing the past and how it affects the future. Which he he explains it with like a bowl of spaghetti, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like it's like it's okay, you know. I love Marvel movies, but it's a much better explanation than what the Ancient One gives in. Um, Endgame about like changing right. time streams and changing it's like so it's like so much more like simpler and you know it's like time timelines are like bowl other like you know strands of spaghetti and if you make a inflection point or pivot point it like changes you know not just the future but the past and changes everything so it's like it's such a good explanation. And you don't want to and you don't want to cook the spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's such a good explanation because it's like yeah it can it it when him making that small change. It's like it's not just like it's not just like a butterfly effect. Oh, if the mom was alive, things would happen differently. It's like no, making one change now changes the entire past and the entire future. And it's like so this Michael Keaton Batman. So it's like the Batman. Who is the Batman? Who is Bruce Wayne in the universe? What he looks like is completely different, right? Yeah. Because you've changed the whole spaghetti strand. You're on a different, you know. And so it's like you can have Michael Keaton as Batman in this universe, but it's not necessarily the same Michael Keaton as in the Tim Burton ones. It's yeah. just of of uh, one of the Michael and Keaton it's, Batman, Like it's left open enough where like you could play around with the idea of yeah. like, oh, is it the same one or not? But like I, I think that the way they use this universe in particular in this movie is probably better to think of him as not the same. <laughs> yeah. But it's I, like I, I, I said, it's still cool saying. to have a third movie with Michael Keaton as yeah. Batman. <laughs> yeah, you can think of it's the same. It's a continued timeline from the first Batman movies, or you can just think like it's a different multiverse where you know Michael Keaton is the Michael Keaton Batman and anyways it, it, it like it works I think most people will sort of be along for the ride and will like accept the explanation and kind of okay yeah this is where we're at here and yeah explains why like for example we'll get into it later but like Superman doesn't exist in this universe Wonder yeah. Woman kind of explains that because it's like if you it's like 
if you thought about it too much, you're like, well, why doesn't Aquaman just because the mom is alive? Why doesn't Aquaman? Why doesn't Wonder Woman exist? They were born yeah, before that and, ever happened. And the right? Aquaman thing is a little ridiculous because of what happens at the end. But we'll talk about it. But yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's basically like anything goes. Like they they establish these really cool set of rules, but they don't necessarily adhere to them because they know that there's there's no longevity for the DC. Well, the explanation can coming to an end, right? Yeah, like, the explanation can explain it all. It can just be like it's a totally different time stream from front to back, right? Anything yeah. you could switch out anything, anything. The changes are endless. You know, it's infinite, not just like yeah, yeah infinite. Yeah. And and from the, to all the best, all of the future, so. Um, and I mean, I'll tease ahead to at some point we're going to be talking about across the Spider Verse, and I think that they also do a really good job. Like the Spider Verse in general does a really good job uh, talking about the multiverse, mm-hmm. um, you know, compared to maybe the MCU. But like, it's all compatible in my mind. But the the central theme that tracks between the Flash and across the Spider Verse is there are certain events that you cannot change because mm-hmm. if you do it changes things too drastically. They're called the uh, the pivotal events or whatever they call them in the, in the film. But like, they're basically... They're like, the, yeah, they're called canon events. I don't know what they call in them. Across the Spider-Verse, they call them canon, canon events, events, which makes yeah. sense. And basically, mm-hmm. they have a version of that in The Flash, which makes sense to me too. Like, mm-hmm. basically, Bruce kind of alludes to this when, when he's talking to him in the first place. He's saying that, like, yeah, it'd be great to go back and change it, but then everything would be different. Like, I wouldn't be, you know... I don't even know who I am without my tragedy. You know what I mean? So it's basically what he's saying. Uh-huh. So there are things that like you just can't change. Like you, you might be able to change some things, but you can't change like the big things, basically. Interesting, because um, so they did was... change that Superman, you know, didn't land on Earth, which is must be one of the biggest things ever. So I don't know. They kind of yeah, I guess, but it's they kind of have it both ways in my mind. Because yeah, you know, like Superman landing on Earth has to be one of has it has to be like a canon event i would think but like i think they change that interesting it's interesting that their adventure takes them through a reality that is essentially doomed it's like one that seems like it was always going to lose to zod um with no metahumans and everything but it it's also related to what uh barry allen did so ultimately it's like this this loop that comes back around by the end to say like you know we can't make any changes because if we do, it's going to spin off and do all these things that are like breaking the rules. Like I think it's essentially cooking the spaghetti, right? So if you have yeah. uncooked spaghetti, then it has like the, Oh, that's the intersection points is what they're talking. Right. So you could, you could have different points in the chronology, but every Batman has an Alfred and you know, uh-huh. like every, every Barry Allen loses his mother and uh-huh. like, you know what I mean? Things like that. Ba- Bruce Wayne always loses his parents. But like the second you start messing with it the way the Flash did, then you're cooking the spaghetti and you're making things. So he's in one of those broken universes different. that yeah. things are dressed different. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that. it kind of tracks that way. But hmm. yeah, it's it, it, pretty cool the way they handled the whole thing. And then they have to put together this little like haphazard team to go. Yeah. The make Justice League. Yeah. Well, yeah. they do go. And so, and so like yeah, they do go and try to find Superman because he's like, no, that's the only way. And what they find, though, is not Superman. That's right. And there's another cool aspect of this film. So um, I think they spend a decent amount of time uh, building up the Kara character, which is basically Kal-El's cousin, uh, daughter of Zor-El. So basically, uh, yeah, not Clark Kent. It's uh, Yeah, we get get Supergirl. We get Supergirl. Yeah. Um, 
and, and it's like cool version of Supergirl where she's like, you know, she's the one that crashed she's on her. She's a little jaded she's been like captured and she's been by captured the by the humans and they free her. And then yeah, so then you get the sort of that's sort of the second act, right? Is him finding Batman, finding Supergirl, sort of putting together the makeshift Justice League in this broken universe. So they have, and then they have to go fight Zod. So at the end of the second act, you kind of have the two berries, Batman, Supergirl, and and that's your. You know, and up against three Kryptonians. Yeah, makeshift Justice League that yeah. has to stick down. So I thought all of that second act stuff was really good. I was really enjoying myself, especially yeah. seeing Michael Keaton Batman kick ass in the sort of scene where they break out Supergirl. Um, yeah, the Batman I, action was amazing. I think that I think explains Supergirl why... developed well, but she mm-hmm. it just happened very quickly. Like, like they had the realization that. Uh, Barry Allen, like, why did you save me? Oh, because that was the right thing to do. And then she kind of comes around, pays him back, and helps him get his abilities. So Barry now has his abilities back, so both Barrys can use their their Flash abilities. Alright, so we have the final Justice League, the makeshift Justice League, as I've been calling them, and we're heading in to the final battle with Zod. And um, what do you think of the third act, Ian, or, or do you want to sort of broad stroke um... weapons? Yeah, I think that it was strong. Um, again, it sucks that like I can't help but think that the trailer kind of ruined a lot of this movie for me. Just thinking that like how cool would it have been if this whole battle had been a surprise, right? But like you're never gonna get that with trailers these days. I just have to be more vigilant, maybe, and not watch the lengthier trailers. That, no, I uh, agree. I agree. Uh, the trailers as they come, like right before the movies come out, they always do like a second or a third trailer. It's usually yeah. like three minutes long and they show you the whole damn uh-huh. three act structure. Um, that being said, I thought it was, it like it was nicely executed and the CGI effects that we we're talking about, sort of the glaring issues, um, they are present when you start talk, like looking at the speed force and everything, like I said, but they're not really there's no issues that I have with the visual effects of this actual battle. I think the battle looks pretty good, and um, you know we've seen similar fights like in in Man of Steel, but this this has like the makeshift Justice League, like you mentioned, power working together, and uh, it's a bit of a tragic battle because it's there's no there's no real way out for our boy Keaton's Batman, and there's no real way out for Kara. Yeah, but that's sort of the good point like we mentioned earlier like they're in this broken universe where Zaw is destined to win so i thought the battle was yeah it was decent from um choreography point of view and the cgi in the battle is better than the cgi in most of the rest of the movie so that was good um mm-hmm. the it's interesting i like it's interesting and i like and it's maybe a commentary on on um man of steel that they have the final battle in this like uh, desert where there's like no civilians no buildings you know what I mean? I feel like that's a response to the sort of blowback of Man of Steel, where it just felt like they were just destroying and thousands and millions of people were dying. And it was just like a video game cutscene of Superman and Zod throwing each other through buildings yeah. and, and all that stuff. So that was like interesting. And then I thought, you know, the time loop aspect of it was was pretty awesome. So we haven't gotten into that yet. So what happens in the battle is that, you know, Zod keeps winning, basically. Mm-hmm. And um Younger Batman, Barry thinks that they can go back and kind of fix well, it. Well, ba- yeah, Batman keeps dying and, and Supergirl is dying. And he Flash is doing what he did 
in the Justice League movie, right? Where he goes back in time and tries to yeah. fix it, which he did just, which is like his go-to move, I guess. But it doesn't work. And no matter about how many times he does it, uh, the, the it's inevitable. It's one of those like yeah. canon moments where it's like Zod is destined to win and, and the heroes are destined to lose. So I guess and, in Justice League, it wasn't an intersectional point. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, it's like this this version of Barry has not had that the same journey, right? Like mm-hmm. it's very fast tracked. It's very like you know coming up with these realizations in real time and you know making these kind of quick decisions, and it's just it's kind of escalating on him. It's uh, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Barry is going through it rapidly and it, it's getting worse every time really he's, yeah he's tra- you're talking about young barry right yeah i'm talking about yeah, young so barry. he's transforming you have... into dark flash right yeah, yeah so you have like you have the older barry who's like you know been through some crap as we mentioned and and you know he's sort of realizing that it's inevitable and that he like what he's done what he's done you know has these consequences that he can't fix but then you have the young flash who's sort of more naive and he's like keeps trying to fix it keeps going back back in time and that's and he's getting and like you stabbed learn. through the arm and he's getting he's got like a blade yeah and that's when now. you learn the character that knocked the flash out of the speed force um earlier in the movie yeah. is actually the young version of flash that we've been seeing through the whole movie yeah. so he's sort of the ultimate villain of the movie in a way yeah, it's a and, bit of uh, you. You are your own worst. Enemy yeah, you're your worst. I mean, yeah, I yeah. thought that that is such that's so well written. Um, yeah, that, like you know, the bad guy is is the hero or however you want to put it. So I thought that was awesome, and, and it's like he's so desperate to save his mom or whatever. Then he kind of has to do the tragic thing, which which I love about you know in our Spider-Man reviews. The thing I love about Spider-Man character when he's written is like he's a, he's people that know him, he's truly a tragic sort of character, and that's what they get to with this flash movie where it's like the whole tragedy of it is, is that he can't save his mom. Right. Mm. And he has to do the right thing to correct the mistake he's done and go back in time and let his yeah. mom die. And that's the thing that he has to accept. They, they play with it a little bit in this movie. I'm curious to know how they would have, you know, finessed it if they were worried about longevity and they were worried about sort of a, a bigger universe and going and moving forward how would they have done it exactly in the same way that they did it here or are they, they made changes like, when james gunn got hired to the script and i'm just uh, certain things yes and they might be minor i just don't know like i i get a lot of the the writing is strong in the sense that the the story is well told the script, and I, yeah. I get the themes that are being presented and i get the the realization that you can't fix the past you cannot you have to let your mother die i i get all that stuff but then we move into the area it's what where, batman says earlier in the movie right that yeah 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 i just I, I, i'm thinking now about we move into the area where okay yeah fine he he has this emotional moment with his mom i thought it was very nice sweet detail of the film and then you know he, he uses his his powers essentially to buy that moment of time to tell his mom that he loves her she's unaware but then he moves the can so okay the, the mother is i guess the intersectional point that you can't fuck with and now we've got this opportunity to slightly adjust the can so that maybe he doesn't have to lose both of his parents um because he, his dad's been in jail his whole life so interesting move 
I thought it was a bit of a cake and eat it too moment, but it, they finessed yeah, it a little bit. Yeah, but then what happens, bit. right? What happens? Well, and, and that this is go, why. Yeah. But this is why. Is it something where they wrote, like it, on reshoots, that they give him kind of this cool moment where he gets to save his dad, but to his own detriment because he's mm-hmm. lost in in an alternate reality. Yeah, I think like if the movie was continuing, like he's going to have to go back in time and fix that too sort of thing, right? Right, right. Like, right. But that's the implication, I think. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So he 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 goes back to the time the movie started, where his dad's on trial. But as Ian, as you mentioned, he moves the can to the top shelf so that the that Batman or the Bruce Wayne technology does get his dad off and his dad gets free. So everything, he just moving the can means the whole timeline is the same up until that trial, right? Yes. Everything else was the same. But then, as we know. If you change one thing in the past, it's not like how it's explained in you know MCU. It actually changes the whole pa- past, present, and future when you make one change yeah. to the past. So right. what the coolest moment of the whole movie is whenever you know his dad gets off and then Bruce Wayne drives around the corner and out of the car comes yeah. George Clooney. George Clooney. George freaking Clooney. From Batman Bruce Robin. Wayne. Oh my god. I like I'm so happy that didn't get spoiled because that yeah. was such an awesome moment. Like, that was amazing. Okay, did you hear anything else about that moment, though? No, I didn't hear anything else. Because uh, we know that this movie was shown well in advance. Like, right. we, we were talking about how it was shown at some con, and mm-hmm. a lot of people had access to this thing far in advance. Yeah, because they wanted to repeat I it. heard that there were different versions being shot around, that it wasn't Ooh. just Clooney, that they had other people... Like, like who portraying Batman? Like Christian so, Bale? Yeah, I think Christian Bale. Oh was snap! Yeah. No way. I think I would have I... gone even crazier for that one. Yeah, sure. yeah. The Clooney um, thing kind of fits the tone of the movie. Like as I mentioned, the movie does have lots of jokes, lots of quips, and mm-hmm. it was like, kind of funny. Played up as like a sort of a joke, and he's just kind of like, "Uh oh, I'm in the wrong universe, right?" Yeah. Like he doesn't recognize him, and, and the so, audience recognizes him. So. I was saying like we don't know what was changed and whatnot, but uh, I think some of the minor things that were changed were we get a post credit scene here, and in my mind this is just a way for them to write off Aquaman two and say, go watch this movie and you don't have to yeah. care about the continuity. It's just it's Aquaman pure studio. 2. Yeah, it's oh, just I Aquaman got, two. Like, Aquaman's still in, still in this universe with George Clooney right, and because the Flash, he, right? because he explains to a drunken Arthur Curry. Yeah that basically you're the same in every universe that I've been to. So he's basically saying, like, they're basically telling the audience, like, he wasn't yeah, in the go, one universe. go enjoy Aquaman 2. Yeah. No, because, no, the only reason why he's not in that universe is because of what Barry did. Right. But, I mean, like, once he's fixed it, right. right, he's been to all these, he's been to all these realities, and, and Arthur's been consistent across it. So I think since... He made the minor change with the can. Mm-hmm. He's been going and trying to like find his own reality with, you know, where Batman is Ben Affleck. And every time he goes to a different reality, he's saying that Aquaman's the same. Gotcha. Okay. It's, yeah. It's I, just I, a way for the studio to be yeah, like, it's... please go see Aquaman too, and you don't exactly. have to worry about the continuity. Yeah. Like DCU yeah. is done. Him but, traveling like, just to the other enjoy was Aquaman not too. in the main text of the movie or anything. So it's kind of like it's really yeah, it's really just there as a studio thing, and it's it doesn't 
add anything to the movie. Um, so, so yeah. So I think it was like you said, it was more so played for fun. They played with the rules a little bit for fun. I think it is a fun film. Um, I did like how the younger Baryon had an arc within all that, where you know, even though he was kind of created by the main Baryon and ultimately became the villain, it was him who also became the hero and stopped himself. Right. So, you know, he saved Barry Allen from himself. So it was, it was an interesting uh, twist and a way to kind of give saved him Barry by Allen pushing an arc within out? that. Sorry. Do you mean saved him by pushing the other Barry Allen out at the time? Right. Right. But, but, but that's like dark flash is younger Barry Allen mm-hmm. who kept going mm-hmm. and he's been going for you yeah, know, ages and ages, eons or whatever it is, trying to fix things, never being able and always thinking you're that much closer, always thinking you're close to fixing it, but you're getting warped and being being turned into this hideous villain over and over. And so when they have that final showdown, it's that realization, I created you, but I created you and you. And so it's the younger version who is the one that stops the older, if that makes sense. It's like he's stopping him from himself. But I thought it was a cool way to Yeah, and it's cool. It's also like it the, the, the our main our main flash, our main Barry Allen is also like seeing like in front of him why you know you can't go back and save your parents. That what Bruce Wayne said yeah. about some tragedies, you know, you need you know, which is why I thought it was interesting that they even did it. the whole can thing because they made it a fun way to do the, the George Clooney and everything, but it's kind of like slightly undercuts the whole thing that he did with his mom. So, yeah, I guess yeah, but there was a lot. Of but it was a fun way to like keep him in a, like a lost kind of reality. Yeah, like I thought it fit the tone. So, anyways, I was like, yeah. Um, the one thing I wanted to say is that uh, I think I mentioned before, but all of the Batman action was really really good all the bet seeing the back yeah. car hearing the Daniel score and i can see understand why so andy uh Muschietti, the director you know is for james gunn directing a uh, batman movie the brave and the bold right so the like this like these batman scenes are almost like his tryout you know yeah. um and i think you know as much as you know people talked up how good the movie was you know james gunn talked it up and other heads at warner brothers talked it up like the the whole movie i don't think was as good as they said but i think the batman scenes really were and i think they saw something there that they gave Andy machete the the next batman movie to direct in like it's really confusing now because like the next Batman movie people think the, the matt reeves um yeah Batman movies, but it's like obviously Matt Reeves and uh, what's his name, Sparkly Vampire Guy, are yeah. being their own like Elseworlds Batman story, and then there's going to be a Batman in James Gunn's DCU, so they're going to have another Batman, and Andy Machete's going to direct uh, that movie. It's going to be called The Brave and the Bold, and it's going to be about Batman and his son uh, Damien yeah. as Robin. So I think like I mean this movie in itself, I thought. You know, surprisingly, even though it's a huge flop, even though it's all the controversies, it was actually pretty good and pretty fun, and actually has me really excited and hyped for that brave uh, Andy Machete Batman movie. Yeah, 
The Flash, you know, here's a summer movie update for you. The Flash has been bumped from the top 10. So, yeah, <laughs> Out it's of the not top 10. Yeah, it's not the top 10. It was a massive flop. I was such an idiot to put it on my list in the first place. And even to have it at number two. I have it there, too. I think I have it at number three. So Yeah. So, anyways, it's it's interesting one because because it's like, it's it's weird that we actually find it a good movie, yet it's such a flop. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would understand. I understand Black Adam flopping. I understand Shazam yeah. flopping. But this movie with Michael Keaton and the fact it's actually a good movie flopping, it just goes to show that the Snyderverse is dead and done with and over. Yeah. And it's not it's what I just want anymore. for the DCU. The we're going to be moving on with the DCU. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that we're getting two more, getting Blue Beetle and and. Aquaman too. I feel bad for Blue Beetle because um, the main star Cholo, he's awesome in Cobra Kai, and this is yeah. his chance to be his own like headline, like be of the lead of a superhero movie, and you're not even getting a fair shake. Like, no. like I'm hoping that because you know James Gunn did not do a clean sweep. He's keeping like certain he, characters he is around, even in Blue Elseworlds. Beetle. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. He's kind of having his kick and eating it too, but I'm I'm hoping that like that there even if Blue Beetle itself is not part of the DCU that they see that there's some positive. Yeah, and that I think that's a conversation for around. another another podcast. Yeah. I think we can get into the whole DCU. So what I want to no, do I, is I, know. I think I'm gonna you know I, like I know I say I'm not a fan of DCU, but I'm just a fan of comic book comic book movies in general, and I can't resist. So I'm definitely gonna be seeing Blue Beetle in theaters. I'm definitely gonna be seeing Aquaman too. Maybe we'll t- maybe we'll we'll review those, and I think at the end of those we've got to do a ranking of our DCU movies. Sounds but right good. now, just a tease to that, Flash is like number three for me. It's like the third yeah. best movie, and there's quite a few. There's like probably twelve movies now. There's like two, two Shazams, two Wonder Womans, Justice Leagues. Um, that Wonder Woman sequel so, is terrible. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of bad ones, but uh, yeah. So I won't tease any. I won't reveal any other of my picks i'll just say black yeah we we'll definitely have to revisit the dceu and put it to bed for good mm-hmm. for the ranking yeah, after aquaman okay um, that sounds like any last words uh, on the flash the so the last word is not even about the flash it's in general like we were talking about the review space now everyone was big enough in this movie and i think the thing that bugs me is like let's say i'm oh like let's say i'm overall positive on the flash despite you know we've discussed its flaws and whatnot mm-hmm. but i liked it okay but I also like all the MCU movies and I feel like I see this weird situation where I think every single MCU movie that's come out, even if people didn't, if, even if they weren't highly, highly received are all better productions, like technical productions than the flash. Mm-hmm. And then I see like people just crapping on Marvel and MCU because it's not at the level it was operating under Endgame, mm-hmm. And now, but like, DC, they don't get the same. It's like it's like when you review a DC movie, it's like, oh, you just expect it to be bad. So yeah, no, if, yeah, it, yeah. if it's good, then it's like it's a smashing success. It's Before like, we got the box office numbers, people were thinking this movie was gonna do gangbusters. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. you've seen it, yet you see a Marvel movie and you and then the same reviewer will like say it's trash. I'm like completely crap. So NCU you know, in a way is a victim of its own success. Yeah. You know, and it's a sad thing but it's it's you know it goes back to the, one of my favorite movies of all time spider-man 2 and uh the famous line by green goblin that people love nothing more than uh when they build something up to tear it down right so yeah mcu was exactly. like was the top is the top dog was the top dog 
And there's probably a lot of people, you know, hungry, licking their lips, ready to tear yeah. down whenever they produce anything that's not like A plus plus material like they've been doing. So yeah, I, I guess like the other side to that is like there are it does seem to be higher stakes for the MCU. They've got a lot on the line. Uh, whereas when you go to see a movie like The Flash, there's really nothing to lose at this point. Like, yeah, DCU I think I'm guilty is of already I think done. I see, a, I think your your expectations of a movie, whether you like it or not, impact how you feel about a movie and, and right. your and your review and your your thoughts on it. So when I'm seeing a Star Wars movie, when I'm seeing an MC movie, like my expectations are so high that sometimes if I don't like the movie that much. It feels worse, and it feels like right. a far worse movie than it probably actually is. More of a disappointment. Yeah, because I'm so disappointed. Whereas, I'm not expecting the Flash to be good. So when I see it, I have a good time. Yeah, uh, I'm like, hey, I like that movie. That's, that was a good movie. But like what you're saying, I understand. Like it's the Marvel movies, even though I might have complained about them more, are technically better in like all the technical aspects, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. So. I agree. Uh, but yeah, I I did have a good time with this one. So I, I think that I will attribute it largely to Michael Keaton's presence in the film. I don't think he, this is not a situation where, yeah, I'm sure they backed up the money truck at some point for him, but I don't think this is a situation where he phoned it in. I think he was he very it. dialed into the character he played in the 80s. And he even said all the old lines, it had the score, like all the Batman stuff is well done. And I think I mentioned it. And I think that's why anime shows got the next movie. And I'm that has made me excited for it. The only thing mm-hmm. I'm bummed about, and I just want to touch on this quickly, is that there were plans to make a Batman Begins movie with Michael Keaton as the old Bruce Wayne, and that he squashed that because oh, this movie oh, you mean Batman, so bad. You mean Batman Beyond? Oh, sorry, Batman Beyond. I said Begins. Oh, there were plans I mean, to make a Batman yeah. Beyond movie, like the current Batman Beyond, with the future Batman and Bruce Wayne mentors, you know a kid what? in the future to be and and Michael Keaton was gonna be the old grizzled. Yeah, but this movie flops so hard they canceled all that. So. so the thing is, is like, yeah, the James Gunn announcements that we talked about. We have a whole episode talking about the announcements. It's like a double-edged sword because, you know, the DCEU they had all these big plans, thinking right. that they were going to be able to write the ship, but then the box office receipts never came in, and yeah. they started all this shakeup at Warner Brothers and everything with Discovery and everything just really tanked the DCEU. So. They got to kind of wipe the slate clean and build up the DCU. At the so same time, like I wasn't a fan of the DCU. I wasn't a fan of Snyderverse. Exactly. So, like, so it had to had to die, right? I'm so. kind of happy that James Gunn is taking it over and he seems to have a different vision for it. But a Batman Beyond yeah, Batman movie would have been movie, like, Hopefully they can still legit, make it up. Yeah. Michael Keaton as the old Bruce Wayne. Like, yeah. That would be insane. Maybe the so, fans can speak loud enough and it'll still happen, right? Like, And, and the thing is, like, they've made a clear... Uh, like we're still going ahead with like Matt Reeves, the Batman series. So they, you know, James Gunn has talked about Elseworlds being a thing adjacent to the DCU. So it's not like out of the realm of possibility that we could get a movie. It just wouldn't be connected to the DCU. And I think I'm okay with that. If they made a Batman beyond movie, and it was a standalone with Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So uh, listen, it went a lot longer on the flash than I thought we would, but I guess uh, that's what happens when you get, uh, Ian and me together to talk about comic books or yeah. comic book related topics and comic book movies. But I hope uh, everyone had a good time listening to this movie. And you know, the Flash probably not not even out in theaters anymore at this point. But if you get a chance to see it on the video VOD, I think you'll have a fun time. Um, you know, ignoring all other controversial stuff. But I think it's overall it's one of the better DC movies. So listen, when you get power and myself talking about a comic book movie 
You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> All right. So thanks everyone for listening. You can find us at day back in on social media. We are on basically all the social media platforms on the X platform for a little bit longer until uh, we jump ship as I've done with my personal account. But, uh, you know, follow us on Instagram and uh, threads at day back in and the Patreon where you can hear us uh, review the MC MCU and star Wars Disney plus shows uh, is uh, patreon.com slash back in my day and if you want to help the show out you know you can leave a five-star review on your podcast app of choice or write a little review that's the best way to help the show out if you can't subscribe to the patreon and we appreciate anyone who leaves us reviews leaves us rankings subscribes for patreon we appreciate you very much or even just listens so thanks for listening and uh okay.